You're listening to Central Illinois Business. Hi, Alex Ruggieri. Thanks for joining us this morning. We have got a great show lined up for you, and we're starting right out with a visit with Mark Grant. He's the Illinois State Director for NFIB. And if you don't know what that stands for, it stands for the National Federation of Independent Businesses. Welcome, Mark. Well, thank you so much, Alex, for having me on. I appreciate it. Oh, well, I appreciate you taking time to be with us, and we've been, uh, you know, looking forward to our time together. I know we've planned this for quite a while, and uh, finally able to get to our schedules together and get you on the air, and that's real, uh, really uh, great, and we're excited about it. Well, thank you. Sure. I, again, I, I appreciate you having me on, and I look forward to our conversation about small business. Yeah, and <laughs> this this show called Central Illinois Business is is literally that's what it's about, and that's who our constituents are and our listeners, and um, they uh, represent uh, all businesses. Uh, really, uh, tune in to the show, uh, but a lot of them are small businesses, and and uh, I don't know how you define small business, but uh, you know, if, if something has, somebody has less than, you know, 150 employees or, you know, or something like that, to me, is is the backbone of America. You know, there's very few companies that have, you know, 400, 500, 600. I don't call those small businesses anymore. You know, I agree with you. And, and I think we look at it the same way, Alex, uh, uh, that uh, the vast majority of our members here uh, in Illinois and nationwide probably have anywhere from 10 to 20 employees each. And, uh, and if you take a look at um, uh, the, uh, the figures from the, our federal government, the SBA, you're going to find that, that well over 90% of our uh, businesses are the smallest businesses, just like we're talking about. And they're the ones that, like you said, they're backbone of uh, the U.S. economy, uh, the lifeblood, frankly, of many of our communities. You know, and, uh, you, you just uh, struck a chord with me uh, because I – really believe in that uh, i know it's true very few people realize that but that is where uh most of the revenue is generated most of the income is generated most of the jobs are provided most That's of the right. services are provided and um, in fact i have to give a talk at rotary uh in february so maybe i'll tap you for some of those statistics and i can share those with them absolutely be happy to share that with you yeah um uh, well, go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, no, I, I didn't mean to cut you off because I, I want to hear more about um, your constituency because your constituency and the constituency of this show are perfectly aligned. Well, yeah, it sounds like it to me, too. Um, well, NFIB, we've been around for 75 years, and we are we are the nation as well as Illinois' largest, if you want to use that term, small business uh, advocacy group. Okay. Uh, we're a membership organization. Uh, as I said earlier, all of our members are small and independent businesses. Uh, the vast majority of them are, are very small. Um, and it, we came into creation basically because we know that, and our founders knew, that uh, small businesses do not have the time or the money to uh, run to the capital uh, and and advocate on their own behalf. I mean, it's just nearly impossible. Now, many of them are very good at doing it back in the districts when they can uh, button a hole of their local representative or state senator, and that, that's really important. But uh, they also need a voice uh, at, at the Capitol in D.C. 
and they needed a vo- they need a voice at every state capital and and that's my job here in Illinois is to serve as our members voice here at the capital and fight for them over there and it's a, and indeed it's a fight over there wow yeah and uh, you know you want to have somebody representing you and um, that's not easy to do when you're just uh, maybe a mom and a pop or uh, you know a small family business Oh, absolutely. And, and again, that's uh, and maybe that's why we're so popular and why we have so many members is because they understand that uh, that that no matter what, government is going to be in your business, and uh, and and you need to be aware of that as a business owner. You need to know that government's going to be there, and so you need someone fighting on your behalf, um, uh, trying to make sure that government. Uh, doesn't overwhelm you and your business because we know, you know, a lot of the laws that get passed, whether it's in D.C. or whether it's at the state capitol, oftentimes, you know, it doesn't pay. They don't pay attention to the size of the business and how that new regulation or that new law is going to affect them. And uh, uh, the little guys, uh, it's just way more expensive for them to try to to uh, to uh, deal with new laws and regulations than it is for the big guys who can afford their own, you know, staff of attorneys or HR departments or, you know, regulatory assistance and that kind of stuff. So um, they need they need folks like us there fighting a fight for them and, and trying to pass things that are beneficial to them versus um, uh, adversarial. Now, how do you how do you do that? I mean. Just to paint, well, it, add some color to that, how how is it done? Yeah, sure. Functionally, how is it done? Well, I'll, I'll I'll kind of put it to you. In in Illinois, we play defense a little more than offense, uh, given the nature of what's going on here in the state. I think everybody's pretty familiar with uh, the condition of our state, and uh, certainly the taxation issues and the regulatory issues are are uh, first and foremost, and. and what we try to do is, um, you know, like right now, we have a brand new General Assembly who just got sworn in to office yesterday. Um, there's already legislation that is uh, that we see it comes out, and, they, and we we can take a look at everything that's being proposed. And there'll be there'll be thousands of pieces of legislation, uh, literally thousands, that are introduced within a General Assembly. And so we go through it, and that's my job, is go through and find the ones that uh, affect a, a small business or could affect a small business somehow, uh, bottom line or regulatory. And, um, and we try to work with those people who are sponsoring those, uh, those pieces of legislation to make sure that they understand the impact that that piece of legislation is going to have on the small businesses. And uh, because, you know, here's the thing, Alex, so many of the people that are elected uh, to the General Assembly, I think, by and large, are well-intentioned, but very few of them have ever signed the front of a paycheck. Uh, they've never had a business. They don't really know what it means to, to risk your, you know, your life and, and, uh, and your, your kids' livelihoods, your livelihood and, and your future on a business. They don't understand that, so they think that every business has um, you know, got all this money and they can afford to do all these wonderful things but they don't understand the fiscal impact and how it can actually, some of these laws can make it really difficult to succeed in business. So, yeah, yeah, no kidding. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, I'm kind of running on. No, I love it. I'm so glad. I mean, I had lunch with a developer yesterday, 
And, oh, yeah. and uh, you know, he got scrutinized, you know, he's going to build this, uh, you know, big project and, and mm-hmm. involves uh, retail and apartments and this, that and the other thing. And they're like, well, we want brick here and we want, you know, this natural material here and this, that and the other thing. And, you know, and, oh, and, yeah. and this is a big project. So if you if you go from from siding to brick, you know, I mean, that alone is going to add, you know, 200 grand to the to the project or whatever. Oh, sure. And it just goes on and on. And and he's like, you know. He said, I, mean, I had to ask the guy, you know, I said, you know, do you have, do you have brick on your house? Well, well, no, I don't. Well, why isn't that? And he goes, well, I can't afford brick. And he goes, but you want me to afford it. You know, <laughs> it was, a, it was a great, great comeback to that situation. Cause I mean, it's yeah. like, do you have brick on your house? Well, no, I don't. Why? Cause I can't afford it. <laughs> well, then why are you trying to make me do it? You know, boy, that you just, that is a great example of what happens at the state capitol. Alex, it's like we, uh, there's a group of folks over there who know how you should run your business even though they've never run one, and they know how much you should spend. Uh, They know what the new minimum wage is going to be. That's what they know because, by golly, that's the right thing to do. And not one of them have ever, you know, cut a paycheck. So they have no idea what it takes and how much it costs. They don't understand that when you're, talking about raising the minimum wage and of course that's the first fight we're going to have here over the capitol here in the next two months um it's going to be that minimum wage and there's a a huge push over there they want to go to a 15 dollar per hour statewide minimum wage can you believe that that is just incredible no and and it's and they have no concept or not they but some of them have no concept what that's going to do to our small businesses? Let me ask you a question: Has sure. that has that uh, has that been tried anywhere else? Oh yeah, no, it's it has. Um, there are uh, there there are states that are, that have uh, passed uh, new minimum wage laws that are going up to fifteen. It's not common. Um, there's a lot of municipalities. Um, that you might guess on the West Coast and East Coast that already have that in place, um, as well, along with some other kinds of things that are going on. And, and I don't know that, uh, you know, we're going to fight like heck, of oh, course. Just crazy. I mean, fight. you know, I heard on the news this morning, and I told my wife, I said, come back here. I want you to listen to this. And I replayed it because we, we I re- always record it. So when mm-hmm. I'm getting ready, I can, go, you know, go through the commercials. But anyway, <laughs> the announcer said... That Illinois is likely to lose um, a congressman because when they redo the the census or whatever, mm-hmm. we've lost so many people that we're going to lose a whole district, and that means we're going to lose representation in Congress. And all I can say is, thank goodness for people like NFIB and others that are fighting in, you know, Springfield to try and change things because if we're not careful, there won't be anyone left to pay minimum wage in Illinois because they're taking all their jobs and their companies and everything else to Florida or Indiana, you know, is eating our lunch. And it's not very hard to pick up and move to Indiana. No, you're absolutely right. And, and if people have been paying attention, you can see the reports that have been going on the last several years about a lot of our small and mid-sized companies who are able to pick up and go 
are moving to other states, like you just said, Indiana. It's tough for our communities and our employers along the borders because they're just getting beat up when a business can just pick up and go over there. And, of course, you know, a lot of our, our small business owners are, are, are wedded to their community. They're in their, they're in their communities. They don't want to leave. But, but the kinds of things that have been happening are forcing a lot of them to do just that. And, and getting back to your original point, yes, population in Illinois has been shrinking. Uh, we lead, I think we're leading the nation one more time in that uh, where we have the net out migration. And, yeah, I think we could very well lose the congressional seat. That would be tough. Don't they, don't they get it in Springfield? I mean, don't they understand what's going on? I mean, I talk to a lot of people, and, I mean, it's pretty obvious. I mean, if you're out there on the street. Yeah, I, you know, I think so. It depends on what street you're, you live on. Um, if You know, we're, we're downstate. I mean, I mean, I'm over here in Springfield, and, 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 uh, and, and a lot of our members are in uh, a lot of the rural areas and, and small communities and cities like your city, Champaign, Urbana, Springfield, Decatur, etc., and up in the suburbs. Um, and, and, but I think once you get up north and where a, a lot of our uh, lawmakers come from, you know, there's a lot of uh, competition for people's attention, and that includes lawmakers. And so they don't know necessarily or aren't hearing from small business owners uh, about the effects this has, and, and, and they kind of have blinders on sometimes, I'm afraid. But if you go downstate, I think most of the, the, uh, the senators and reps and, uh, are, are aware of the fact that these, um, these kinds of laws, you know, like a minimum wage increase or uh, – you know, mandatory paid family leave and those kind of things have a big effect on our small businesses, which make up most of the businesses in the state, especially downstate. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I just hope that they get the message because, I mean, and maybe they just don't care. I mean, one of the things about Indiana that is, I mean, just from a purely physical point of view, um, that's different from Illinois is that their big city is in the middle of the state where, for instance, our big city is way up north and you get it's, it's kind of like you get this us and them mentality going on between Chicago and, um, you know, downstate, whereas over in Indiana, it's much harder, you know, to uh, for that to happen. I mean, it's much more natural you know, for people to feel part of the state when the when the big city is right in the middle physically of yeah. of of their constituents, you know, and, and we, well, we we've got a problem yeah. physically, I think. Well, yeah, maybe so. Um, uh, I, I but I think, you know, our job, my job and as, as well as many of the other small uh, uh, or, or business associations like ours, I work we work in coalitions a lot with you can know. you can i talk you into holding that thought because we have oh, to sure. break for our sponsor's sake but i'll i want you to answer that as soon as we get back can we do it you betcha all right great we'll be right back after this word and we're back you're listening to Central Illinois Business. Alex Ruggieri here, and I am talking with Mark Grant. He's the Illinois State Director 
for NFIB, and we learned in this process that stands for the National Federation of Independent Businesses. And just before the break, we were, I didn't mean to cut you off, we were talking about how there's a bit of a discrepancy, like, for instance, even just like uh, next door with Indiana, and their big city is right in the middle, uh, whereas in Illinois, our big city is way up north, and then everybody else is downstate, and so, you know, some of the problems that that can generate. Yeah, and I, and I think one of the, the things that you're really making clear is that uh, over the last you know, and I'm going to say several decades, the urban areas continue to grow and the rural areas continue to shrink. And mm-hmm. uh, we hate to see that. Um, and, and I don't know if that'll ever get reversed or not, but it just seems like, and, and so what happens then with that is that you have just greater represent, you have more population there, so there's greater representation there. And therefore that tends to influence, just like you were saying, what happens at the state capitol. No matter where the state capitol is located, it's going to have an influence because just by sheer numbers. Right. Uh, and so, yeah, we, we kind of face that thing here in Illinois because we have a gigantic urban area up there, and that includes the suburbs and, you know, all the collar counties and everything. So that influences uh, what happens over the state capital. Yeah, it's just wild. And so what are the kinds of things? Uh, so if somebody is a member, and I full disclosure here, I'm a member. I joined. I mean, Buzz Johnson cornered me last year. He says, oh, yeah. have you ever heard of NFIB? And I said, well, no, I'm sorry, I haven't. He goes, well, we're going to fix that. I'm coming over and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I said, okay, well, come on over. And he came over and we sat down and we just you know, shoot the breeze and everything. And then he's like, well, let me tell you. And I'm like, really? Where do I sign? You know, and I joined right away. And uh, because I'm definitely, I mean, people listening to the show know that I, you know, I'm, I'm a commercial real estate broker. I have a small business in this town, been in this town for 40 years. And, um, you know, it's uh, it's a family company and all of that stuff. And I'm like, yeah, you know, I'd, I'd like to be a member of somebody that supports all of that. But, um, you know, you should ask the question, what do you get for that? I mean, why belong? Well, you know, Buzz is terrific. He's he is. rep over there, and he explains it as well or better than anybody else in the country. Yep. But I can just tell you that, that um, you know, there's, there's a variety of things for people to join different associations. But the one thing that NFIB clearly does is we represent small business. I mean... Uh, we have anywhere from uh, folks like you, we have retailers, wholesalers, construction, farmers, um, service companies, you name it, we represent all of them. And I guess the reason we do so well that way is because we fight the big fights. Uh, We roll up our sleeves and we go in there and we say we can't afford more taxes on our businesses. We can't afford a service tax, which is always hanging around out there. I don't know if you're aware of that, but that's always something they're threatening here in the state because they're looking for more revenue. Uh, Our property taxes are too high, uh, and and we fight for more responsible government. And uh, and I think one of the key things about NFIB and why we're so strong is not just because of what maybe I do over the Capitol or what what our our folks in D.C. do at the Capitol. It's, It's our members, our grassroots, our members who are very involved and aren't afraid to to uh, pick up the phone or go visit their state rep or their state senator and say, listen, 
you've got to do something to help us out here. You can't keep hammering us. We can't afford this. And you want us to hire people. And we want to hire people. But we can't do it if you keep adding up more and more of these things on us. And, again, getting back to what you said earlier, Alex, and that is, like, sometimes people just pick up and leave the state. Yeah. And they close their business. They say, fine, uh, you, you, you're, yeah. you're, you're not going to listen, so we'll go someplace where, you know, there was a commercial, I forget who was running it or what party or whatever, but I mean, it was like, thanks, Illinois. We, you know, it was like the, the governor of Wisconsin or the governor of, uh, you know, Indiana and the governor of Missouri. I don't know. And they were all saying, hey, thanks, Illinois, for all your overregulation. Thanks, Illinois, because all these people are coming to our city and our town. Yeah. And, and, and I'm like, that really hurts. <laughs> don't people listen to that in Springfield? Well, I, yeah, I recall the ad, and I think it was a political advertisement. And unfortunately, you know, it, it, we got into this really hyper-partisan fighting going on uh, with the last administration. Uh, we, we, we try to solve our problems. We try to get reforms through, um, and, and we, we supported those efforts to, to kind of turn Illinois around and change the direction we were going. Unfortunately... You know, the powers that be, the entrenched folks that have been here for years and decades uh, over at the Capitol uh, did not see that as, as helping them out. So, uh, you know, they and they, they do what they think they're going to do to keep their power and, and keep things going in the direction they want to. And for us, um, you know, we're going to keep fighting the fight. And uh, But getting, going back to what you said, though, it's important. For, I think, business owners to know that they're not out there by themselves, and that's what NFIB can do is we bring your voice and your voices together, and uh, and our grassroots is strong, and we get people active, and we get them, I mean, I get members over here to the Capitol to testify about how a particular law might impact their business or how it will impact their business. I mean, for heaven's sake, you talk about a $15 minimum, rate, minimum wage, if it goes to that, I... I our members will be knocking down the doors over there, telling them how that's going to hurt their business. Uh, so, oh, are you kidding me? But we need to have our our uh, small I mean, business minimum. Minimum. I mean, that's doubling almost. I mean, the minimum wage is what eight something right now. I don't know. Eight and a quarter. Eight and a quarter. Yeah. So, I mean, that's like you know, it's almost like doubling. Yes. Yeah. And you know, they they keep talking about well, we'll do it over uh, you know three or five years. No, can you imagine raising your uh, labor costs? Seventy-five percent in three to five years. Who, who can afford that? Yeah, yeah. And we made this point to them because it's been around before. This isn't the first time they've tried it, and uh, it, it was vetoed before. But we're going to work closely with the new uh, governor and see if we can convince him and his folks that this is not the way we need to go. That we need to uh, be far more cautious about this. I mean, we already, I think, lead the Midwest with a minimum wage. None of our neighbors are where we are, and, and uh, even if they are going to go up, we need to really be reasonable about what we're what we're talking about here. Yeah, and I, I understand living wage, and I think people do need, you know, to uh, have a, a decent uh, opportunity to. But I mean, the minimum wage is just like an entry thing, you know, and yeah. it's, it's 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 meant to be a floor, not a ceiling. And, you know, uh, the idea is, you know, you start somewhere and then you work your way up, you know, and try to. But that's exactly right. Add value. 
right. and and you know it reminds me of the uh, the old story about the guy who walked into his boss and said, "Hey, boss, I'd, I'd really like to have a raise," and the boss says, "Okay," and uh, he's like shocked and he's like okay and he starts leaving and then he turns around and uh, he says hey boss uh, when is that raise going to be effective and he goes when you become effective <laughs> <laughs> yeah no doubt about that yeah and when and you're exactly right when you talk about a lot of our business owners it is an entry-level wage um, for most folks the vast majority of people making the minimum wage are under 18 years of age you look at the Bureau of Labor Statistics, and it's just going to show you that, that, that very few people who are trying to make a living are making a minimum wage. They're making far more than that. Um, and one of the other issues that we have is if you raise that, like you said, the floor, if all of a sudden you know, you're, you're paying entry-level people at $12, $13, $14, $15 an hour, everybody's wages are going to have to go up because the entry-level person – I mean, the guy and gal who've been working for you for a couple of years who are making already $13, $14, $15, $16 an hour, whatever that number is, you're going to have to raise their wage up too. And then there's all the other associated costs that go with that, including your workers' comp rates, your unemployment insurance, all those things that are attached to how much you spend on wages. All those costs go up. And unfortunately, some people over the capital are, you know, they have the blinders on and they don't see the big picture and know that how, what the total costs are going to be for these business owners. Yeah, so again, that's they, our job is to make sure they know that. They've never signed both sides of the paycheck. Yeah. You know, there's sometimes, you know, honestly, when, you know, Sylvia and I have gone without just so, I mean, we're up, you know, just so we can make sure our people are paid. Sure. And uh, that's the, you know... This country, and we're going to have finished because we only have about a minute left, but this country was built on this pioneer spirit, you know, where everything, you know, was put at risk. You know, mm-hmm. you put your wife and your kids on a prairie schooner and every piece of stick of furniture you owned and you went out into the wilderness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, what courage it took to build this country. What I guess they're, they're kind of the earlier they're early entrepreneurs. Well, and that's when I look around today and I say, you know, where is that courage uh, today? And that's where it's at. It's with the entrepreneurs. Absolutely. They put everything, not only the wife and the kids, they're putting their house up. You know, sometimes they're mortgaging the house. I mean, you know, it's uh, that's where the courage is today. And we should be uh, applauding them and we should be helping them. Uh, not creating obstacles for them. Anyway, we're out of time, but uh, great stuff. How can people learn more? How can they get involved if they want to become members or they want more information? Well, the best way uh, to start with is just to go to our website, which is nfib.com, and you can learn a little bit about us there. And if you want to contact me directly, I'd be happy to give you my phone number. You can call our state office. Do it. 217-523. Outstanding. Outstanding. We have been talking with Mark Grant. He is the Illinois State Director for NFIB, which we learned today stands for the National Federation of Independent Business. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Well, thanks for having me, Alex. I really have enjoyed this. Me too. And don't go away. Much more right after this.
Hi, we're back. You're listening to Central Illinois Business. Alex Ruggieri here, and so glad you're still here through the break. Um, second half of the hour, I am visiting with Dimitri Daniels, and we're going to be talking about the Midwest Martial Arts Federation. And um, I, I've known you for a long time. Yes. And uh, I, I, when I was setting all of this up, I had to... I had to now, sure, if you tell me your name again, and 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 you know it, it's Dimitri Daniels. I said I know that. Okay, so I wrote it down because we we always refer to you as Sure Foo, and why is that? Tell us why that is. Okay, so well, Sure Foo is kind of like the title um, that's given to uh, for a teacher. It comes from the Chinese word Sure uh, is with Lao Shi, which means teacher. And then Fu is Fu Qin for father. So the role of a martial arts instructor is to kind of be like the teaching father uh, for their students. So to kind of guide them through life like a father would guide his son or daughter. Wow. So that's that's really cool. I never knew that. So it's kind of like uh, teacher, father, sir. <laughs> <laughs> yes. uh, that's wonderful. Okay. Sure. Fu. Okay. So we'll we'll remember that from now on. But we're here to talk about the Midwest Martial Arts Federation. What is that? Yes. So the Midwest Martial Arts Federation is a federation that myself, along with a couple of my martial arts colleagues, uh, formed in order to kind of, we're a nonprofit organization that was formed to kind of uh, help out martial arts in the Midwest. Um, we do different fundraisers. Uh, we it's it's to help out kind of like people that maybe would like to do martial arts but don't know where a martial arts school is in their area or maybe they would like to but never had the funds uh, so we offer scholarships for uh, students of all ages to have a chance to be able to come go to a martial arts school wow. and we pay for it for them. that's great and how long has the organization existed so it originally started in 2014 and then um, we kind of first we were only open to Chinese martial arts, but now um, in last well 2017 we opened it up to all martial arts. So, wow! Yes. So tell me because I have no idea, um, you know, other than just the cultural touchstones you grow up with. Mm. Like when I was a kid, James Bond used judo. Which I think is Japanese. I'm not sure yes. what what it is. And then you know, um, Kung Fu came out, uh, and I watched it like crazy. It was like a western, uh, and it was had David Carradine. You know, it was supposed to be the Chinese, but he was yes. from China. So I thought, well, Kung Fu comes from China. That is correct. But then there's all these other, you know, like that come from Korea or Savat or whatever it comes France. from France mm -hmm. and all these different things. I mean, tell us a little bit about that. I mean, what you you have been, I know, to China many times. Yes. Do you so, speak Chinese or Mandarin? Yes, yes I do speak oh, Mandarin. Chinese. Mandarin. And wow, a couple that's cool. other dialects. Wow, really? So, Yes. That is crazy. Is it hard? Is it easy to learn? I guess it's easier if you're over there for a couple of years. So it, it I kind of grew up being around the language, given oh, the fact okay. that I started off really young training in martial arts. Okay. Um, but you know, what I always tell everyone is that if you want to learn any language, um, all you have to do is like uh, do it. Um, I mm -hmm. started off um, 
just getting a dictionary, an English to Chinese dictionary, me and my best friend. There is such a thing. Yep. Mm, And we would just read it and Mm -hmm. say different things to ourselves and then talk to other people. Wow, that's great. And when you go to China, um, you how long do you stay? So uh, I've gone. You go there for uh, training, right? Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. So I've been going since I was really young. Mm-hmm. So um, I usually, as I got older, I kind of would stay mostly just for the summers, and mm-hmm. then uh, throughout schooling, I'd go for the summers and then be in America for school. But then. After high school, before I started college, I did two years. So I stayed for six months in China, then six months in America. And then after college, I ended up just spending most of the time just the summers until I opened up the school. <laughs> How? What is it like when you're in China and, you know, you do you blow them away with your dreadlocks and speaking their language and everything? It's it's usually pretty weird. It's it's pretty fun. Like we kind of like to play around. Because I would with think they would like never expect you to be. You know, they'd be talking behind your back in front of your face. <laughs> you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> so I in all the years that I've gone, it's equaled up to about maybe 18 years. Uh-huh. Um, I've actually never caught anyone saying anything bad oh, about that's me. That's wonderful. That yeah. speaks volumes for their culture. Yeah, it's usually more. They're kind of like, oh. Oh, oh, look at this foreigner. Oh, man, I wonder if his hair is real. Yeah, like, yeah. Really? And then they kind of talk to me, and I'll speak English with them, just kind of joking around. And everything they ask me in Chinese, I'll tell them in English, but they won't understand. So then in the end, I'll kind of start speaking Chinese. And like, oh, you tricked us. And, <laughs> yeah. But it's pretty fun. Like, I've never had any bad experiences with the, the wow, language difference. That's great. So do you have a, a master that you study under in China? Yes. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm a disciple of the Shaolin Temple, which really? is in Hunan province. Is yes. that the, the Kung, Kung Fu? Yep. That is right. Like David this, Carradine's yeah. uh, Kung Fu. Yes. Wow, that's incredible. Did you ever watch that show? So I saw, So during my generation, it was Kung Fu The Legend Continues. Oh, that's right. Which was this son. So, yes. Yeah. Oh, okay. So I never saw an original episode, but they would do kind of like the flashbacks where they would show oh. David Carradine was, yeah. yeah. So, well, it was supposed to be Bruce Lee. Yes. You yes, know, the yes. story. And that's just crazy. That, oh, well, we'll just make, uh, you know, we'll just give David Carradine funny looking eyes and we'll call him a Chinaman, you know. <laughs> I don't know why they did that. It would have been oh. so much better with Bruce Lee. It was a different world back then. Yeah, there. yeah. So, no kidding. Yeah. No kidding. <laughs> so what's going on uh, that we need to know about at the Midwest Martial Arts Federation? Okay. Uh, well, on February 23rd, we have the Midwest Martial Arts Expo Urbana. So what's going to happen is we're going to have most of the martial arts schools that are here in the area, they're going to come together at the Garden Hotel in Urbana and do performances and offer our seminars for their uh, uh, for the community and just to kind of promote martial arts and uh, and tell everyone more about their schools. Wow, that's fantastic! And so, uh, will it be um, all of these different organizations uh, that would include more than the Chinese? styles or uh, who's all going to be there? Yes, so um, we have quite a few schools. Uh, We'll have Josh Kadenbach. He's with the uh, Gracie Barra Champagne. Uh, He has a school in Urbana. Uh, There's my school, Jade Fortress in Savoy. Um, We also will have Sal Bella. He's Kabutokan. That's also in Urbana. And then um, there's a great Muay Thai school called Venora. 
uh, Venora Thai, and they're at the Vision Fitness Gym in Urbana as well. What is Muay Thai? So Muay Thai is a Thai style that I don't know if like you're from Thailand. Yeah, from Thailand. Uh-huh. Yes. So if you are familiar with maybe Jean Claude Van Damme's movies, oh yeah, in yeah, the, yeah, uh-huh. in the nineties with. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, kickboxer yeah. when he went to Thailand. Yes, yeah, so it's that style. And uh, Nilan is a great instructor with wow. with John as well helping. That's crazy. That is wild. So does anybody around here teach Hapkido? You know, I don't know of any Hapkido schools. That's a Korean style. Right. Um, right. There's Aikido that's taught in Urbana oh, at okay. the um, Lincoln Square Mall. Okay. Yeah, I only reason I ask is my mm-hmm. cousin is a uh, Hapkido. He's a black belt in Hapkido. Oh. And I used to go to his classes all the time and watch him, you know, work mm-hmm. out. With him. His instructor was, um, uh, I don't know, some seventh degree or something <laughs> like that. I mean, I think the guy could walk up walls like Spider-Man. I mean, he was just amazing. <laughs> and uh, um, they do a lot with joint locks and things like mm, that. Yes, you know? yes, and, uh, yes. Using the opponent's weight against them and mm, that yes. kind of stuff. Yes. So what kind of ages and people can participate? Okay. So it depends on which style they want to go to. Mm-hmm. Um, say, like, with the Shaolin classes that I teach, the student can be as young as four years old. Um, if they're doing maybe the Muay Thai style, they would probably want to be – Pre-teens, because mm-hmm. so a lot yes. of the kicking and the, with the leg work and all. Yes, yeah. Um, the Gracie Barra, they also ex- uh, accept maybe I think ages five or six years old. Mm-hmm. So there are quite a few. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's pretty great because I know. <laughs> I'm just saying this because I know some of my grandchildren are in your classes. Yes. Uh, you know, yes. Full disclosure, and it's just so. I mean, I'm sorry, but it just melts my heart when they do their routines. Um, in their little silk uniforms, and it, I mean, it's just crazy cool. Yes. And uh, you know, your sons have been students for quite some time. Oh yes, oh absolutely, yes. the boys, yeah, yes. absolutely. <laughs> but now it's down to the grandkids, and, and uh, you know, and I know, uh, yeah, Adam is like won lots of like awards and stuff. Yes, he's actually the Midwest Martial Arts uh, Sanda Champion of 2018. You're kidding me. Nope. I he knew he had like yes, won he a bunch of awards, but I didn't realize he was the yes. champion. Yes. He Remind did. me not to chop that kid off. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he could probably take my head off if he wanted to. Oh. Thank goodness we, we have a healthy and loving relationship. <laughs> yes. That's great. Oh. Well, yeah. And um, I think it's good for kids. Yes. Because it teaches discipline and it involves physical fitness yes and um there's a socialization to it too because they get involved in these tournaments and they get recognition and i mean it's really a great thing yes i I think that it's probably the one thing that i think i like the most about teaching is to show the child to uh to to get us a sense of self-worth Yes. Uh, especially during this day and age where oh, yeah. kids feel, oh, well, if they're being bullied and right. things, but it kind of teaches them to not let external things get to them and right. and teach them to defend themselves and not in a physical standpoint, but right. also Almost with... A, there's, a, there's a spirit yes. uh, aspect to it, you know, to give them a stronger inward spirit and uh, even character. Yeah, because it's not like Karate Kid where the instructor's are telling them, yeah, give them a 
punch in the throat, you know. Yes. <laughs> you know, it's it's more like Mr. Miyagi, you know, telling, you know, you don't have to do that. Yes. But, but yes. still you need to learn this. Mm. Yes. And uh that that's to me I think is a really great philosophy. It's it's not that violence is the answer. It's more discipline is the answer. Yes. And yes. uh that's really wonderful. So um, if people, we just have about a minute left, if people are interested or they want their kids to be involved or whatever, how can they learn more? Okay. So if they go to, if they're interested in Chinese martial arts and knowing a bit more about uh, uh, Shaolin Kung Fu, uh, they can go to the jadefortress.com website. Mm -hmm. Um, Our school is located in Savoy Mm -hmm. and the in the Walmart parking lot, uh, there's a strip mall next to Captain oh, Jack's yes, I've been there. Embriella's, yes. Right. As well as going to MWMAF2017.com. That's for more information on the Midwest Martial Arts Expo happening on the 23rd of February. Wow, fantastic, fantastic. I'm just curious, um, what, what, is it, uh, what does it take for kids to get involved in classes? So it's um, what we usually do is we invite the the families, you get three free classes, mm-hmm. and it's kind of like we put the kid through or the adult through kind of like the ringer, so to speak. Like mm-hmm. we work them pretty hard, um, not to hurt them, but to show them that it's something that they can it's get real. through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that um, they'll feel better for it if they mm-hmm. do. But mm-hmm. then it's kind of like the trial period where they see if they're compatible with the training and if um, and if we think that it's something that we can help. Uh, benefit them because always um, if someone maybe we're not what they're looking for we help them go to somewhere else as well yeah yeah yes. I mean you would know where to send them for sure yes yeah cool stuff great stuff well uh, we have been talking with uh, Dimitri Daniels about the Midwest Martial Arts Federation he is also known as Shurfu and uh, more familiarly known as uh, Shurfu and I just want to thank you so much for coming on the show and letting us shine a light on all the great things you're doing. Well, thank you very much for having me, Alex. It was great. You bet. And thank you for listening each week. There will be more next Saturday.